Mike Flagler with us. Write down our toll-free number. It's 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of this extravaganza. we got a lot of ground to cover today, a lot of breaking news, a lot of things happening. Senator Lindsey Graham, John Solomon, you know, have heard about this Dominion software glitch. We had Laura Cox on uh, from the state of Michigan. 6,000 votes wrongly flipped for uh, Joe Biden used in more than half the counties in Michigan, but also a uh, full investigation by justthenews.com and John Solomon. Yeah, it's used in 28 other states as well. One other state reporting potential problems with it is Georgia. We'll look into that. Uh, Greg Jarrett on the law. Remember, we have a pending U.S. Supreme Court case. We'll get into the details of this because the case is strong. There's no other way to put it. The case that they have is a strong case, and I think it is very evident that if you follow the law, uh, then you're going to see some movement that maybe maybe the Democrats aren't expecting. Uh, we will update you. There's a lot going on in the state of Georgia that you better pay attention to because the state of Georgia uh, is very important. And I'll explain all of that in a second. You know, if you want to know um, and, I, and I, I don't know whether to laugh or cry or just roll my eyes and just say, you know, this is just ridiculous. Uh, one last thing here. The, the Attorney General, Bill Barr, has authorized the Department of Justice to probe the substantial allegations of voting irregularities in multiple states. And, you know, I am telling you, it is amazing to me. Ask yourself this question. Now, Ron DeSantis, we always had a mess in Florida voting going back to 2000 with the chads and the dimpled and the pimpled and the swinging and hanging and perforated chads. And 37 days, Al Gore and the Democrats, they challenged it. Okay, didn't come out the way they wanted. Supreme Court decision ultimately uh, ended up, uh, uh, although David Boyce is a brilliant attorney, didn't go his way. Ted Olson was on the Bush side. And it is, it's, in many ways, you can say, argue it's a landmark case. I think what is happening now in Pennsylvania is going to be a real significant moment for the U.S. Supreme Court in this sense. The governor of the great state of Pennsylvania does not have it within his power to just unilaterally put out extensions of what the law says is permissible. He can't do it. And so we'll get into that in detail today, too. And and by the way, it was pretty clear with Justice Alito's statement, separate those votes that came in later. Now one has to ask the question, the integrity of the people. Did they really separate the state, the, the vote, considering the hostile Trump comments of the lieutenant governor, the governor, the secretary of state in charge of voting in the state of Pennsylvania? It's unbelievable. Um, this fight, by the way, is being looked at with the American people. Top Republicans now are backing the president completely, even Mitch McConnell, other Republicans. You know, Mitch McConnell saying that the president is 100 percent within his right to pursue recounts and litigation. These are razor thin margins we're all talking about here. Um, and, you know, we've gone over the laws repeatedly, all the states in question have have it in their statutory guidelines that partisan observers get to watch the vote counting from beginning to end. That includes absentee ballots. That includes, you know, any provisional ballots. It includes it all that they're allowed to observe the ballot. Now, if you're 100 feet away, as some people have said, if you're 20 feet away, as some people have said, 
or even within the social distancing guidelines of six feet away, you can't see it. Now, the question is, if they wanted to maintain what the statutory law said, then that would then cause them to create an environment whereby the poll observers, the partisan observers, had an opportunity to see the ballot separate and apart from the person that is there counting the ballot to make sure that we can have faith and confidence. Florida, what, twice the population of many of the states that are in question, three times the population. Florida is the highest elderly population in the country. Uh, Florida has two separate time zones. And Florida was able to finally get their system right after 2000 and then after the disaster of 2016 because the governor fixed the system, which means that every state could be this efficient if they ever wanted it to be this efficient. We have the capability of doing it, as I've been pointing out. Um, You know, we keep hearing now what's happening is the media mob. They just dismiss it or they won't even allow a case to be made and let the American people decide for themselves. Well, there's a morning consult Politico poll out today. If you're still a poll believer in anything, I might actually tend to believe this poll. And following the network's decision to pronounce Biden the winner, 70 percent of Republicans now say they do not believe that the 2020 election was free and fair. A stark rise from the 35 percent of GOP voters who held similar similar beliefs before the election. We've seen this shift show, if you will, before, especially in certain locations, certain places every single time. Uh, For example, Philly, Detroit. Nevada, Vegas, we, I mean, it's, it's legendary. This is not the first time that, you know, this country has gone through this. And yet we still, you know, in this day and age of Microsoft, Apple, Silicon Valley, uh, we still can't get this right. They don't want to get it right. Among Republicans that believe the election wasn't free and fair, 78% believe mail-in voting led to widespread voter fraud. 72% believe the ballots were tampered with. And if we don't have faith, trust and belief and confidence in our vote, you know, how, how do you ever even approach the topic of uniting as a country? Which then brings me to my number one pet peeve. What was the whole Russia Trump collusion narrative all about that Donald Trump illegally conspired with Vladimir Putin to tip the election towards Donald Trump Four investigations three plus years later? False. Even the, the beloved Mueller report, no evidence whatsoever. Did the media mob ever tell us that they got it wrong? No. Did the Democrats ever apologize for getting it wrong? No. Did they ever apologize for the smears and lies and conspiracy theories? No. Did they ever care about the double standard with Hillary's dirty Russian misinformation dossier she paid for that was used as the basis of the FISA warrant? No. It's hypocrisy all over the place. I still, for the life of me, you know, if you think the media is not biased, you just look at how many questions did Joe Biden as a candidate have to answer this election cycle next to none. I mean, it literally was the media mob, you know, protection program. They, they, they hid Biden the entire time, never even had to answer a question, as we pointed out yesterday about his dealings and praise and work with the former Klansmen to stop the integration of schools. Would that ever happen to a Republican? No. Uh, if somebody was as weak and frail and struggling cognitively like Joe Biden, would they raise the questions like they raised them with Reagan and McCain? Absolutely. 
He didn't get many questions on that next to none. And when he brought it up, he got angry and he lashed out. You a junkie, man? Come on, man. Come on, man. God help us. Now, they keep saying, well, there's an investigation into the irregularity of, of, of things. Now, we have eyewitnesses. And remember, people are now giving affidavits. They're now in the process of getting people on record uh, giving sworn affidavits that could be used before courts under the threat of perjury. That would mean if you're a Republican, a jail sentence. If you're a Democrat, you get away with it. And they are they are people that are saying what they saw and that the laws were not being followed. Okay, for example, the Detroit Free Press. Let's go to the state of Michigan. A lawsuit attempting to block the certification of the results in Wayne County's, you know, a number of affidavits. One guy, a former assistant attorney general, Republican poll challenger, Zachary Larson, alleged poll workers were looking at how a person voted by peeking inside an absentee ballot secrecy sleeve before classifying them as problem ballots. And then he also alleged poll workers were allowing ballots to be cast by people not in the qualified voter file, a list of voters maintained by the state. When he said he tried to get a better, closer vantage point to watch a particular election worker, he says the workers conducted a ruse to prevent him from looking at names that were being entered into a poll book. And then there's a Detroit employee alleging on the record that before Election Day, workers at a Detroit satellite voting center repeatedly coached voters, telling them to vote for Biden and other Democrats. Now, would somebody really go out on a limb and say that sign an affidavit to as much risk, you know, per, you know, being charged with perjury. I don't I have a hard time believing all these people would do that. You have similar things in Georgia, similar things in Nevada. We've, we've reported on this program, Laura Cox, about this Dominion software issue and 6,000 votes swing uh, in Trump's favor, favor, a glitch in the software that's also used in more than half the counties in Michigan, but also 28 states. We'll report on that. So there are a lot of questions here that everybody has to ask. And, you know, these this is the time to ask it. These are razor thin margins. And if some states can get it right, we can have faith, confidence and integrity in the honesty of the outcome. Why should it be any less in any other state here? Because now it becomes problematic. It's like, oh, forget about who cast the votes. It's the people that count the votes that decide an election. So we're now seeing the emerging legal strategy, which is, number one, we have the case pending before the U.S. Supreme Court. We're following that. Uh, There's a lot going on for, you know, I find this the most fascinating thing in the world. It is one week ago today that was Election Day. One week ago today, I was telling you that you've got to assume that your one vote may make the difference in whatever swing state that you happen to be in. Uh, I knew I was right. I tried to create the urgency that was necessary. Uh, I didn't know I'd be this right. In North Carolina, there's a tweet by North Carolina Democrats claiming yesterday that there are thousands of outstanding votes to be cast. This is six days after Election Day that could swing key races in North Carolina. It turns out North Carolina, get this, is one of at least 18 states that allow voters a week later, to cure ballots rejected for deficient information 
or missing signatures. Democrats in the state are literally out there seeking volunteers to run out and find these people to, quote, cure six days, seven days after the election, absentee and provisional ballots that they think could actually swing a close race. Our team is helping cure absentee and provisional ballots. When does Election Day ever end in any of these states? And this is why the case is pending before the Supreme Court is so powerful. Because Justice Toledo saying, yeah, put those votes. It's it, The Constitution is clear that the state legislatures, that it's their role, not the governor's role, to unilaterally override what the state statute is in terms of what voting laws happen to be. All right, in the state of North Carolina, we have uh, Cal Cunningham has conceded the Senate race there to Tom Tillis. Uh, that margin has been up there and long. This is, what I, this is what I couldn't understand the call of Arizona. Arizona's still not been called. And the vote count, I think it went down to like 14,000 the last time I looked. It was at 93,000. Still more votes, provisional ballots to be counted, as I understand it, out there. Um, I'm going to get the state of Georgia gets very complicated here. I'm, I'm going to save that for the next second. Um, you have, you know, serious allegations of fraud on an election worker in Michigan making an allegation of fraud in a new affidavit. This is in Detroit. We're following that story. We're following the story of the Dominion software that was not only used there, but was used elsewhere around the country. Twenty eight states. John Solomon will have a report. Um, Ten state attorney generals have filed the brief supporting the challenge to the Pennsylvania mail-in ballot deadline. That seems like a slam dunk case in my mind uh, to the president's you know, legal case. Um, and the attorney general now looking into all of this. Um, then you have, you know, the American people don't don't trust these election results. In Wisconsin, some interesting developments about clerks accused of unlawfully altering thousands of ballots. We're looking into that allegation. Republicans say thousands in Wisconsin may have been um, circumvented the voter ID requirement. Now, this is going to be a big deal. When you request an absentee ballot, Wisconsin law allows voters to self-certify if they are indefinitely confined to their residence because of age, physical illness, disabled for an indefinite period of time. Doing so allows them to submit an absentee ballot without having to show any form of photo ID, although they must have a ballot witness sign off. Well, this year, the number of indefinitely confined voters soared, uh, probably in part because of the coronavirus, I would bet. In 2019, about 72,000 voters uh, said that was the case. This year it was 243,000. And then controversy arose in March when the clerk of Dane County posted on social media that the governor's lockdown order met the threshold to be in, in definably confined, I guess is the word. Uh, anyway, the Washington Examiner, GOP official there, saying that thousands may have voted without showing an ID because of the confusion. And apparently that's being looked into. Again, you know, now we're talking about written law. Now we're talking about whether or not laws were made and laws were followed. And I think that is the basis of where these, not only the Supreme Court case that is pending, but other court challenges that will be pending as well are headed. 
Uh, I'll tell you about Georgia when we get back, Nevada when we get back, more on Pennsylvania when we get back in Arizona. Straight ahead, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program as we uh, continue our best post-post-election coverage. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of this extravaganza. All right, so that's a six there. Okay, uh, all right. I want to go I want to go state by state and give you some information here. Um, Now, with Tillis winning in the state of North Carolina, now it's forty nine, forty eight in the Senate. Now we know what Chuck Schumer has said he's going to do. Now we know that Chuck Schumer is said that everything's on the table. We know and I don't care what Joe Manchin said yesterday when the pressure really comes is brought to bear on Joe Manchin. Do I have trust? that he's going to end up siding with the Republicans on packing the court, ending the legislative filibuster. I really don't. And, and I hate to think that, you know, it would be in Joe Manchin's hands because the pressure will be enormous for him to do every extreme thing that the Democrats want. As an anecdotal side of this, you know, Nancy Pelosi today refuses to denounce socialism because she knows now that her odds of being speaker with all the Republican seats that have been picked up are dramatically lower than they've ever been. And there is this intramural battle going on within the Democratic Party, and she's not winning it. The squad led by a Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez, they're winning it. That's, you know, none of this is a none of this is a good thing for Nancy Pelosi. Anyway, so let me explain a little bit of what happened. I've really been doing a deep dive. I lived in Georgia, loved Georgia. Um, You know, just I have so many dear friends down in Georgia. And I got a lot of detail about what is happening down there. And I I frankly am a little shocked when when I discovered everything. This goes all the way back to March. And in March, Georgia election officials agreed to a settlement in federal court with the Georgia Democratic Party, the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee that had sued over its rules for absentee balloting, absentee voting in Georgia. Now, you got to, first of all, it's pretty spectacular. If you stand back and, and just observe that action in March, and remember, March, we're in the middle of the pandemic. In March, you know, that's around the time the first COVID relief bill is going through and Nancy Pelosi is fighting, you know, withholding monies to businesses and the American people because, in part, one of the big requests, she wants to change election laws. So Democrats have been have been planning and hoping and wishing that they could, you know, transform in the final months leading up to this election the entire way we do elections, which, by the way, they ended up being pretty successful at in the end. I guess you should give them credit because they were thinking, you know, they were playing chess and Republicans, as usual, were playing, you know, blackjack or checkers. I don't know. So anyway, previously, for example, in the state of Georgia, and it gets confusing, but it's really not the signature that one would have to put on an absentee ballot had to match the signature. Well, which is on what's known as ENET. That's a computer database that maintains Georgia's voter registration and absentee ballot information. Now, if you went in to vote in person, 
You would have to show in Georgia a voter ID this year. Many waited hours and hours. Reports that I had from people that lived there, friends of mine that lived there. Now, if the signature on the ballot didn't match, it was thrown out. But in a very cleverly worded section of the settlement, again, the lawsuit brought by the the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, Georgia Democratic Party, Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. Anyway, in the signature, in, in the settlement that they had, Georgia election officials agreed to what ended up being seemingly a subtle but extremely profound shift, change, and difference. And instead of having to match the signature on file with ENET, the absentee ballot signature only had to match the signature on the absentee ballot application. May not sound like a big deal, but it is. The key word in the settlement was any, and that is an absentee ballot can only be rejected if it doesn't match any of the signatures on file. In other words, you have a signature database, ENET, and that's where every in-person voter, their signatures matched up against that or the signature on the absentee ballot application. Now, what does this mean? Um, it means, and it's, it's pretty profound, it means that the person that filled out the application for the absentee ballot put a signature on that. Now, if the signature of the ballot that was filled out in the application matches the application, it, that it doesn't matter what is on ENET in the voting system based that every other voter in Georgia would be judged by now i'm not a lawyer but important guys like linwood and and others and uh i know people that have worked on for example that have looked at this case other attorney friends of mine even some that worked on bush v gore are all arguing and they all seem to agree that well we're not having equal standards which would be a violation of equal protection in terms of those who voted election day that had to produce a photo id that matched the database enet versus those who only had to use a drop box and match their signature on the application now you would think well why are the democrats in the middle of the pandemic in march thinking of this because they're 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 thinking about how they can get everything and anything to their advantage and uh that would certainly be an advantage for them now with all that we have learned uh that has gone on you know, for example, people that we have on tape uh, in two states now, postal workers, for example, one in Pennsylvania, one in Michigan, both on record saying that they were told to backdate, for example, postmarks. That would be a pretty big example of fraud. More more evidence there than there ever was of any Trump-Russia collusion. So it would then invite the possibility of fraud if there were people that had such intentions ballot harvesting, et cetera, et cetera. They only need to match the signature that was placed in the application that they could easily have signed off on as well. Now, it's one that that in a race this close could be making all the difference. Now, this is a case I would assume now is going to be one of the new cases, for example, legal cases that go before the court. Now, there was a call yesterday by both Senator Loeffler and Senator Perdue for the Secretary of State, apparently I guess was the one that signed off on this, that the state call a special session 
and fix the law so that the standards are equal and apply to everybody prior to this January 5th runoff election, these runoff elections that are taking place in Georgia. And the governor of Georgia is the only one, that would be Governor Kemp, that could call a special session. And I think this is a fix that needs to be made, if for no other reason, just for the legal standard being applicable on all sides. Um, if we don't get these two Senate seats, it's now 49-48 Republican lead in the Senate. If these two Georgia seats were to go to the Democrats, that would mean that Chuck Schumer's promise that everything is on the table becomes the country's nightmare. Now, the the bottom line is, is that nobody apparently is able to reach the governor. Apparently, the governor of Georgia is just like hiding This is not my first run-in with the governor of Georgia a little bit. I've been a little disappointed. And then I actually made a mistake on some of the things that he had decided in opening up the state, although I still don't understand the tattoo parlors. I thought that was dumb. But anyway, putting that aside, this is an obvious fix so that every voter in Georgia, that their signature is matched in the same system. That would be equal. That would be the same standards applied to every Georgian in a state that might be critically close in these Senate elections that mean everything from, end, you know, step packing the courts, ending the legislative filibuster, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm not exactly sure why everyone's having a hard time getting the, the governor of Georgia to say, you know what, that's a legitimate need to fix something that we have the same standard, whether you vote absentee or whether you vote in person in the state of Georgia, considering what is riding on these two Senate seats. Anyway, we put up on Hannity.com if you want to call the governor, 404-656-1776, and just say, hey, could you please call the general Georgia General Assembly into special session so that you can deal with the issues that have come up here? Because these are real issues. And the Georgia Republican Party head has cast doubt on the election transparency the chairman of the Georgia Republican Party suggesting that officials in Fulton County tried to pull a fast one on election night. Uh, his name is David Schaefer. He said that the media and our observers uh, were told that they were shutting down the tabulation center at the State Farm Arena at 1030 on election night, only to continue counting ballots in secret till 1 a.m., something that needs to be investigated. The you know, that's the head of the Georgia Republican Party. You know, if you know, what is the point of having all these transparency laws if you're not going to be transparent? Uh, The Trump campaign said as they begin the process, they've requested that the secretary of state first must be a full comparison of absentee ballots cast and in-person and provisional ballots cast throughout the state. There's got to be a check for felons and other ineligible persons who have, have may have cast the ballot. And the secretary of state should announce a full hand recount of every ballot cast I mean, because you're talking about such, you know, razor thin margins here. And there's so much at stake just in the state of Georgia alone. Nevada, we can update you there. You have a whistleblower that said the uh, mail-in signatures were not verified. And people keep saying, well, well, my question is, if the media says, where's the proof? And you have people signing affidavits. I have a list of people in front of me that were in the Detroit Free Press in Michigan. 
in terms of the lawsuit attempting to block the certification of Wayne County, for example. All these people on record saying pretty much the same thing, what they observed as Republican poll challengers. Remember, the laws that we've been pointing to, and we're sticking with the law, that even partisan observers are allowed to watch and observe the election counting process start to finish. Okay, if you have people willing to sign affidavits, which they're signing and saying that, and I have the list in, of people in Michigan, I have a list of people in Nevada. You know, Nevada Fox News reported yesterday Trump campaign submitted an affidavit to the DOJ regarding Ill- irregularities in Clark County. Election worker whose name has been redacted for fear of reprisals had concerns over election polling place, uh, intimidation, voter fraud, according to a sworn affidavit. Allegations that took place between October 17th and 30th in early voting. Uh, workers claiming the voters were allowed to vote via provisional ballot without a valid Nevada ID or driver's license as long as they could provide proof of an upcoming appointment with the DMV. Uh, I don't think the law suggests that. Washington Examiner reported a second affidavit filed in Nevada regarding a signature verification. I personally witnessed this uh, regard of signature verification as well as other irregularities according to whistleblowers in an affidavit. Well, I thought Democrats like whistleblowers. They like whistleblowers so much, they like hearsay whistleblowers. Um, and I just told you about Georgia. We told you about what was happening with this Dominion software program that is being investigated um, and much, much more. But it's basically in, pretty much in every state. And that's why, you know, look, if all these states can get it right, make it simple, easy. Everybody has faith, trust, confidence. In the vote. Votes counted on time. Florida, for example, 9 p.m. Ready to give the results. Ready to make the call. Because they did their job right. Nobody's questioned the integrity of it. Same with Ohio. Same with almost most states. And then other states, it's like one big shift show. I mean, you got to ask yourself, why would we allow one standard in one state and another standard in another state to circuit, to then think about this, you know, literally... Whatever, whatever nefarious deeds some may have been involved in could have greatly impacted and disenfranchised 70-plus million people. If we can't get our voting system right, how do you have our faith and trust and belief and confidence in a government? And for the Democrats to lecture and the mob and the media to lecture, Republicans, after they did nothing of four years of not accepting the election results, and Republicans are saying every legal vote should be counted and the laws be obeyed, and that we listen to the whistleblowers and affidavit people here and do an investigation that's thorough and complete, that, that to me would only help people trust the ultimate outcome of the election. I'm not building up false hope here. I don't know how this ends. It's, it's challenging. At right, hour two, Sean Hannity show right down our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Moments ago, NBC Los Angeles reporting that Secretary of State Mike Pompeo Uh, was asked about a transition of power. This is their question, not mine. President Donald J. Trump to President-elect Joe Biden. Here is Secretary of State Mike Pompeo's great answer. Is the State Department currently preparing to engage with the Biden transition team? And if not, at what point does a delay hamper a smooth transition or pose a risk to national security? There will be a smooth transition to a second Trump administration. All right, we're, we're ready. Can't answer better. Anyway, uh, he's been down on the ground. Uh, we keep going back to this 
issue of all that has happened and is happening in Pennsylvania. Just a quick, quick summary here. Uh, now, Lindsey Graham talking about possible ballot harvesting in Pennsylvania involving nursing home patients. We're looking into that. We have a pending uh, Supreme Court case. There is uh, further litigation of the implementation of an illegal two-tiered voting system um, as it relates to the general election, and that would be a two-track system resulting in voters being held to different standards depending on how they chose to exercise the right to vote in person. Voters had to sign a voter registration, have those signatures checked against voter rolls, and also voting in in places monitored by what is in the law, the legal law that that partisan observers get to watch the vote count. Uh, the state's mail-in voting, nearly 2.65 million in Pennsylvania, cast through, lacked all the hallmarks of any transparency, verifiability. And then, of course, we know all these people now are going on the record, and they believe that in, in that case, you know, they're, they're saying they weren't allowed to be the poll watchers that, by statute, they're allowed to do. House Judiciary Committee ranking member Jim Jordan is here. He's been on the ground in Pennsylvania, tweeted out, why did Pennsylvania Democrats exclude poll watchers during the vote count? Well, why did they? That's a great question. How are you, Congressman? Yeah, the, the, why would you do that if you didn't have something to hide? I'm doing fine, Sean. Good, good to be with you. And I, I start from the same premise you do. 72 million Americans know instinctively that something smells here. Something isn't quite right. How could, how could we, we gain seats in the House, do so well in the Senate, President Trump get now, what, 9 million more votes than he got last time and come, come up short, and then you start seeing what they did in Pennsylvania, 2.6 million ballots where that were mailed in where there was no signature verification. Some counties allowed to cure ballots, remedy ballots. Other counties, maybe adjacent counties, weren't able to. And you can imagine which counties actually did the, the, did the curing uh, uh, ballots. And, and, Sean, some of the basic questions. Why is it it seems like President Trump won every state, every swing state that continued to count through election night, and then those that took a pause for several hours, those, those swing states were the ones that he didn't win. Why is that? So uh, I, I, one thing I've learned in my doing investigations, we do them all the time in Congress, on the Oversight Committee, on the Judiciary Committee, is the why questions are the key questions to ask, because that goes to motive. Why did certain things happen? And that's all we're doing now that we've had people come forward and express real concerns in these, in these various states. We're asking that why question, and we need to get to the bottom of it for the American people. I'll, I'll play it again in the next half hour, but you have Richard Hopkins uh, out there working for the Postal Service, alleging the postmaster directed him and his coworkers to pick up ballots after Election Day and provide them to him for the purpose of of postmarking these later ballots to November 3rd. Yeah, I mean, again, all these things need to be examined. I mean, I mean, the fact that the fact that you couldn't see, the fact that they got secure, the fact that they were actually notifying notifying uh, Democrats when their ballot came in with the inner secrecy envelope inside the envelope that had arrived at the Board of Elections in, if they felt that envelope and didn't, couldn't feel the inner secrecy envelope, they knew there was a problem, so they call that person up, because you can't vote early in person in Pennsylvania. They call that person up. You need to come and cast a provisional ballot on Election Day. They were doing those kind of things. Encouraging Democrats, because they already checked and looked at their ballot, that is against the law in Pennsylvania. So those kind of things we think we've heard about are happening. We need to investigate. Okay, so we saw the comments, the early comments by Justice Alito in the pending Supreme Court case, and that is that the governor just unilaterally decides that, well, we're going to keep counting ballots three days after, even if they come in late and they're not postmarked November 3rd. 
Um, but that yet the Constitution is clear that it's state legislatures that make the law, and he just made it up out of whole cloth. Now, my impression is if the law is followed, that would render those votes not valid. And the question is, did they separate those votes and, and whether or not uh, they if, if they didn't separate them, how do you ever how can you yeah. ever say categorize right. this as a legitimate election result? Yeah, the shorter answer is we don't know if they kept them segregated. We think they did, but it was such a serious issue that, of course, you had Justice Alito issue the order and say, you better be segregating them because that's what you presented to the court that you were going to do when the Supreme Court didn't take up the, the case that came to them several weeks ago. So uh, th- that is a, you know, you you need to keep those segregated because that was basically, you know, it, it is now the order uh, from the Supreme Court. Were they opened or not? We don't know. We don't think they were. But all this just points to why doesn't Joe Biden, why don't the Democrats, why don't they want us to look into this? We've never had an election like not in the history of this country where you did this massive mail-in balloting, where you took in ballots after Election Day, where some counties were allowed to cure, some counties weren't, some states stopped counting votes on Election Night, other states did. We've never in the history of this great country had an election like this. And doesn't it make some good common sense to check it all out, especially now that we're getting all these reports and we're getting a number of people coming forward, signing affidavits that I see, I saw this happen, and this is contrary to federal law. I saw this happen. This is an irregularity. So all we want to do is look at it and make sure it doesn't happen again. And, and but what, life, how do you remedy, how do you remedy if they never segregated those ballots? How do you remedy the law in Pennsylvania? And I'll read it. it says partisan observers may observe at polling locations and may stay until the time that the counting of votes is complete. Uh, Twenty five uh, Pennsylvania state two, six, eight, seven, and that their partisan observers are permitted to be present when an absentee ballot, mail in ballots and envelopes are opened yet. You know, we've had people and heard people on television that were poll watchers saying they were 100 feet away, 20 feet away, six feet away. You can't see anything from six feet away. Uh, If you need to make, you know, accommodations for social distancing, couldn't the person just open it so that everyone could see there's no shenanigans and then place the ballot uh, six feet away and then everyone gets a chance to look at it? Why didn't they take that into account? Yeah, no, that's how it's supposed to work. That's federal law, as, as, as you point out. Um and the remedy is going to be determined by a court. Uh, but the ultimate remedy is the United States Constitution. You follow the Constitution, then you seek the electors and that, that thing. But the remedy will be determined by a court of law. And typically courts have said if it's enough votes to actually change the outcome, then they'll, then they'll rule. If it's not enough votes to change the outcome, then they won't. But here's the, here's the concern, and this is what you're raising. You may not know. <laughs> you don't know because we didn't get to observe. Or if, in fact, those ballots aren't segregated, I think they did keep them separate based on what we've heard from people on the ground there. I think they did. But if they didn't and opened them and put them in, there's no way of knowing because now they're spoiled. You, you, you can't tell. So, um, But in the end, it'll be a court of law to determine uh, whether uh, they're thrown out or not. With these razor-thin margins that we're all looking at here, I have a question, and that is, what do you believe yourself? What is the net result of all of this? Well, unfortunately, uh, our, our country has been so divided. I, I, I point to the fact that the Democrats never accepted the fact that President Trump won in 2016. They tried to stop him from winning in the campaign. We know all that. We've been through that with the Trump-Russia investigation. They continued all their baloney to go after this president. In spite of all that, he had an amazing four years, one of the, one of the most successful presidencies in American history. Um, 
So I, they've divided the country. And then you saw what we went through this summer with what, what happened in the streets. And, and so that, that to me, when you got 70, what, 75 million, 76 million votes for, for Joe Biden, 72 million for, uh, votes for, for President Trump, a record turnout, but unfortunately just a, a divided country. And again, as we've been talking about, Let's see if some of those 77 million uh, weren't, weren't legal votes. We want to count all legal votes, but we need to check and see if some of those 77 million, particularly in key states, weren't cast legally. I know that the, I don't, you know, I said this before the election, I'm Irish. I always worry about everything. And I had the urgency about this election because it's always mm-hmm. so hard for a Republican. To, you have to run the table. You have to get your state yeah. of Ohio. You have to get Florida. By the way, smooth as no questions about integrity, full confidence in the result yep. done in record time because it can be done yep. right. Then we have yep. these, you know, all these allegations, affidavits under the threat of perjury being signed, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the question is, is that it becomes as as all of the mob, the media, you know, which, by the way, for three years were willing accomplices mm-hmm. in this delegitimization of of the trump presidency and now they want unity all of us we all have to rally behind unity which is a crock and i'm just what are the realistic chances it seems so uphill it seems like a a very difficult task and i don't know if we're ever going to get to the point if the laws weren't followed how we could ever say that we have a true and accurate and fair count that people can have trust integrity and confidence in? do you think we get there yeah yeah, I, I certainly, I certainly hope so. Uh, I certainly hope we get to the bottom of this, and I, frankly, I hope that, that, that we find out that President Trump is, is the next president. Uh, as you're, you're right, it's an uphill climb. But, but, but you're so true about the media. I mean, w- the Bobolinsky story wasn't truthful; they couldn't report on that. But the Steele dossier was. Come on! Oh, the steel, we're, we're going to report for three and a half years and ta- attack President Trump on this false Russian conspiracy theory. But oh, we're not going to look into legitimate election claims when we're talking about the, 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 all the irregularities we've seen in these key states. So the, the, the media, from the get-go, has just been a mess in this whole thing. And they're the, and the media is contributing so much to this division in our country. If they would just do their job report truth, report facts, we would have so much less division, and maybe be able, President Trump could have got even more done than he, than he did in his, uh, in his presidency. What do you think the, the outcome in your heart is going to be here, and do you think you will have confidence in the outcome of this? Um, I think it's too early to tell. Again, there's this rush from the Democrats. Look, the Electoral College doesn't meet till December 14th, so we got plenty of time to figure out what's going on. I like, I like uh, Secretary Pompeo, who's a good man, done a great job. I like his answer to the question. He says, I'll, we'll be ready for the second Trump uh, 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 term. And, and I, I think, let's just take our time. Let's get to the facts. Let's make sure this, that if there were irregularities, if there was illegal activity, we expose it so it never happens again. Same, same attitude, Sean. You and I had this whole time with the Russian thing. We said if they can do it to a president, imagine what they can do to you and I. If they can do it to a three-star General Michael Flynn, imagine what they can do to you and I and all your listeners. And we said we need to get to the bottom of it so it never happens again. This is the same thing. If there's real, real cheating going on, we need to get to the bottom of it and expose it. We don't know yet. But there's all kinds of troubling signs that we see, and that's what we need to investigate. See, I, I think if the if these cases keep making it to the Supreme Court, like the pending PA case, to me, if they follow the law, which is all Alito was saying, Alito was kind of very, very firm in what he was telegraphing. He was. And, and it's he sometimes was. hard to read, but this was not ambiguous in any way. There's a law. 
This yep. is what the law says. You don't get to change it just, you know, because you feel like it. What is it now that Florida does right? You know, Florida elderly population, mail-in ballots, two time zones, nine o'clock, they're ready to call it. What is it that yeah. Ohio, your state, and Florida does that's right that all these other states screw up? Well, one of the things we have in Ohio is we don't have this massive just mail-in mail uh, ballot program. You have to request an absentee. So we have a good absentee program. A lot of people used it this this, uh, this election, but we have a good absentee program. But it's run by competent people. We, Republicans are in charge of both of those states. Imagine that. And, and it, we were done on election night. President Trump won by over eight points. Same with Florida, a huge popular 20-some million people in Florida, 11.5 million people in Ohio. We can get done. But Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania... Arizona, these other states, they, they, they can't get done. And why did they all stop? Why did they all stop counting? We kept counting until we completed the job in Ohio. Florida kept counting until they completed the job in Florida. Why did Pennsylvania stop? Why did Michigan stop? Why did Wisconsin stop? That, well, that's, that's the part that, again, it's a great so question. And I've been giving out the number. I want people to call the governor of Georgia because they, they have this ridiculous double standard if, if in terms of signature gathering, 404-656-1776. It's on Hannity.com. But, you know, he's not apparently taking anybody's call. Um, you know, they better get that straightened out. How important do you view that Senate race down there? No, there's a critical. I mean, I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to help. We need to win the, win the Senate seats. Um, and we got you know Kelly Loeffler and, and Senator Purdue are, are are both both great senators and and both need to go back to the United States Senate to protect us if in fact we can't uh, we can't get uh, Tom Tillis by the way the, you know Cal Cunningham uh, conceded oh that's greatness that's greatness yeah that's yeah. great I, so I, where I, are you I, now I you back in Ohio or are you in I am I was in Pennsylvania and, and D C I flew home late last night got home about eleven in Ohio uh, t- today and then. Uh, you know, I'm not sure where I'll head next. Uh, maybe here a few days, and then we'll we'll see if we have to need, 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 need some help somewhere else. Where do you think that the best odds for the president are? Georgia certainly seems like there's a lot of questions being raised by smart people that I know down there. I just went through a deep analysis of it. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we haven't heard from Arizona yet. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why people called that early. It's a week later, and still the call hasn't been made by, by most people. Yeah, I agree. And and look, he's only twenty thousand down in Wisconsin. There's concerns there. I spoke to uh, Ronna McDaniel, our our our, our chair, and uh, she ha- she thinks there's real concerns. The one affidavit filed uh, um, yesterday, people backdating and di- different things that that was filed in Michigan. So um, we got to look at Michigan as well, even though the margin is a little greater there for for Vice President Biden. We need to look at that state as well. All right, Congressman Jim Jordan, great state of Ohio, fighter of all fighters, great wrestler even back in the day. Thank you for being with us. We appreciate it. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, toll free. It's 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program? You cannot uh, ignore a very key point here, and that is that when you look at the states, how is it that some states, they make it simple, they make it easy, they make it efficient, they, they put integrity and they put trust and they put confidence in the outcome and the result. And then you have the cluster states that just don't really give a rip what the law says. We're going to change the law unilaterally, regardless of what the Constitution calls for. Uh, we'll extend the counting of ballots till three days after the election. I mean, my, my favorite is what's going on in North Carolina. Yeah, it's still too close to call, but you have North Carolina Democrats. There are a thousand. By the way, this is a week ago, Election Day. 
thousands of of outstanding votes to be cast that could swing the races in North Carolina. Carolina won 18 states to allow voters to, quote, cure ballots rejected for deficient information of missing signatures. And Democrats are seeking volunteers to help cure absentee and provisional ballots. In other words, go out. Well, we need you to come in and fix your ballot. Wow. Can't believe that would even happen here. Now, let's go to the state of Pennsylvania. Now, this is a Postal Service worker. He's giving his name. His name is Richard Hopkins. And just like we had in the state of Michigan, uh, we have a Postal Service worker alleging that he was told to backdate election ballots. And there is a federal investigation. Listen to Project Veritas. You witnessed your supervisor backdating a ballot to November 3rd? I did not witness them backdating it. I witnessed them talking about that. What did you hear them say? They were talking about how the day before, which was before, they had postdated all but one of the they had, uh, all but one of the uh, ballots that were picked up as the third, but they had one that they made a mistake and postmarked it before. You heard Robert Weisenbacher say this to Daryl, or Daryl say it? How did it, how did you hear it? Uh, Robert was saying it to Daryl. Robert was saying it to Daryl. Yes. To 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 they made a mistake on the ballot and they should have backdated the November fourth ballot to November third, correct? Yes. And you heard this, and um, since you did the interview with me uh, in the shadows, what what has happened to you at your employment? They they were taking an action against you today. Uh, well, I'm not for sure, but they are bringing up stuff that happened uh, like in the past. So they brought up old allegations against you today that were already adjudicated, and they brought those up today. Yes. These inspectors have. What, what was this? What was the nature of your conversation with the? Uh, uh, post office officials that reached out to you today about this, about our interview? Uh, they said that uh, I was, well, because of certain factors, I was kind of implicated as the one who had came out. So they wanted to get my side of the story because they wanted to start an investigation into this. I think this comes from above them, and that's what I told the enforcer inspectors. I just think they were just doing what they're told. And yeah. This is the reason why so many Americans have no faith in the system. I mean, now we've got postal workers. Now, what is a postal worker that's willing to go on camera, sign affidavits, do all this, and all these other people sign affidavits under the threat of perjury, knowing it's going to be investigated, what they're going to see, what they're going to say? You know, I, I, I know that there is this, this media question, where's the evidence? Well, the first thing we got to ask ourselves is when people are willing to dedicate their time and people are willing to dedicate their service and people are willing to go out there and be a poll watcher because they care about integrity and trust and confidence in elections. And then they go out and they hold press conferences or sign affidavits. And then they say in the affidavits and say in the press conference that even though they were there and the law allows even partisan observers to watch the entire vote counting process and they weren't allowed or they're 100 feet back or 20 feet back or six feet back and they can't see a thing well what's the point of having it now you'll say well Hannity we got social distancing Uh, understood but with social distancing guidelines there's certainly a safe and secure way whereby a, a ballot could literally be okay I'm opening this ballot here you do it in a very transparent way 
and open it, and then you place it on on top of whatever six feet away, and then everybody gets to observe it, and then boom, it gets checked and it gets recorded, and everybody has faith, trust, hope, confidence in it. You know, I I know that we have federalism. I know that you know the state legislators are the ones to decide, which is what the law, the Constitution calls for. Um, but you've got to ask yourself why it is that some states can absolutely master this where there's not a single question of impropriety, nobody questioning the integrity of the outcome of elections. And then you have, you know, as often is the case, the, the same places. Now, it, was, it took Governor DeSantis to finally fix the mess that was down in Florida, so we can fix the mess if we, if we choose to. You know, anyway, Senator Lindsey Graham joins us now, been very supportive of the president, and saying that if we don't get this right, we'll never elect another Republican president ever again. Yeah, so just look at it. Mail-in balloting, voting by mail, was used in 2020 at a level never known before. The post office is an unregulated entity when it comes to to voting by mail. So much chicanery can go on there. Uh, You've got allegations in Michigan and I think uh, in Nevada, but I'm I'm sure in Michigan, where people who received the mail uh, from the post office, the ballots backdated them. You have allegations that people in the post office backdated uh, the mail-in ballot. You got allegations that people filled out mail-in ballots, uh, um, you know, on the top of a Biden-Harris truck. So uh, Pennsylvania is very problematic. And I just say this: a law without a remedy is not a law. So if there's a law requiring observation of uh, balloting and counting of ballots, and people were denied the observation rights granted by the statute, and people on the ground. Uh, took the law in their own hands at the polling sites, uh, then the Supreme Court needs to come up with a remedy to deter this in the future. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, and you see these other states, and I keep bringing up Florida, twice the population, twice the elderly population, more mail-in ballots. You know, they've been doing it for years. They've mastered it. There's no questions about or confidence in the integrity, the outcome, nothing. And they could have called it at 9 p.m. And here we are a week later. We still don't have ballot. Uh, results in from a lot of states. It's insane, uh, Senator. No, how can anyone have faith and trust in that? Well, how do you get all these ballots uh, the, after the polls close? Um, at midnight on the night of the election, Donald Trump was president. So I understand counting things later, but you have 40,000 ballots just appear out of nowhere in Georgia at 4 in the morning. So voting by mail is so easy to manipulate. If you take the time to go to the polls and show your ID and write your name down, that is a far better system. Now, absentee voting by mail is different than just voting in mass. So what I worry about is that this is the sign of things to come. If Republicans don't challenge the observation rules, in Pennsylvania there's a law requiring both parties to have access to counting of the ballots. What's the remedy when the ballots are counted without observation? Hopefully, they will throw those ballots out. If they don't, then the law becomes meaningless. Uh, There are no rules about mail-in voting at the post office. We need to come up with some rules and regulations on how the post office handles voting by mail. But if we forgive this, if we just accept accept the consequences of, of their actions and don't challenge their actions, you're legitimizing what they did. And President Trump cannot, for the future of the Republican Party, legitimize the, bre- the, the, the breaches of law and, uh, and, and fraud here. You were with uh, today Andrew McCabe and, you know, oh had a couple God. of test, testy exchanges earlier today. 
And I'm watching this, and I'm I'm like looking at him, and he's he's speaking out about the integrity of Peter Strzok, and then you, of course, read uh, some comments of Peter Strzok in his text messages with uh, Lisa Page, and yeah. you know what a loathsome human being uh, he is, et cetera, et cetera, and then defends Peter Strzok. Didn't the Inspector General report? Didn't the FBI uh, find that he had lied? Yeah. The, this this whole thing was a disaster today. McCabe came in, and I asked him, okay, if it would have been dereliction of duty not to look at Trump-Russia connections, how do you explain the fact that when the CIA sends over to the FBI in September 2016 an investigative lead showing intelligence that Hillary Clinton signed off on a plan to basically uh, link Trump to Russia to avoid scrutiny of the email server problem, that she made a political decision to blame Trump for Russia connections, um, and nobody does anything about it. They sent the inquiry to Strzok. Does it surprise you at all that Strzok threw it in the garbage? Look at what they did based on a conversation with an ambassador from Australia to Great Britain with Papadopoulos in London. That made it all the way back to Washington. McCabe and Comey got on the case. They're telling us that the CIA investigative lead alleging that Hillary Clinton signed off on a plan to blame Trump to divert attention from her. Not one person at the top of the FBI knew about it. It didn't ring a bell to Comey, and McCabe said he didn't know anything about it. And Strzok is the guy in charge of investigating Clinton. Is it surprising that nothing happened? But that is astonishing to me that not one agent was assigned to the uh, information given to the CIA by the FBI. It's just it's just, just astonishing. And finally, McCabe didn't know anything about the subsource interviews in January and March. He signs a warrant in June of 2017. I asked him one of the last questions. Did you write heard over this investigation? Yes. Did you ask people, how did the interview with the subsource go? Uh, yeah, I don't remember who I asked, but they didn't mention anything bad. How can it be that this information, this exculpatory in nature, never makes it to your desk, but every bad thing about Trump makes it to your desk? How can that be? You know what's ironic in all of this, and you've been in the forefront of this, is that for now pretty much four years, the the Democrats have suggested falsely that right. the election was illegitimate and Donald Trump uh, never should have been president and that there was illegal Trump-Russia collusion. Four separate investigations, four separate conclusions. It never happened. And then we have real people making real allegations of of real laws being broken. Like, for example, every law in every state pretty much allows even partisan observers to watch the full, complete vote counting. And all these people signing affidavits under the threat of perjury, all saying, yeah, we couldn't see anything. Um, and then they say, oh, we shouldn't we shouldn't question that. We should just accept this after four years of just never ending hatred and, and the claims of illegitimacy and false conspiracy theories. And we're all I to really, come together, really, Lindsay. Yeah, I can't say any better. We're not going to accept that the Carter Page Warren application was just a mistake. It was a, con- a concerted effort over time to ignore its sculptural information. They manipulated the court. They altered documents that were exculpatory to Page, Klein Smith, and the information gathered in January and March from the interview of the subsource. You'll never convince me that in the most high-profile case, maybe in the history of the FBI, that didn't make it up to the top. So we're still on the case. But he said, if I knew then what I know now, McCabe, I wouldn't have signed the warrant. Are we going to be okay with that? By the way, that's number three. Well, 
I mean, I mean, the bottom line is if Joe Biden becomes the president of the United States, God forbid, these all go away, don't they? This all dies right here and now. Well, Durham, Durham's report will come out, hopefully. God knows it should. But if we keep the control of the Senate, it won't go away. So those two uh, Senate seats matter. Well, so let me tell you, if you want to find out what happened in the 2020 election, uh, you need to make sure that the Senate is in Republican hands. Do you want to find out how bad Mellon voting was in 2020? We need to have oversight in the Senate. I've talked to Mitch McConnell. We need a joint committee of the Senate looking at voting by mail and and the problems associated with it. If you want to keep trying to find out who at the yeah. FBI withheld exculpatory information, we need to keep these. Uh, we need to win the Georgia races. Absolutely. All right, Senator Graham, thank you, as always. Can I just 800? say one last thing? Uh, yes, you sir. you want to help the Georgia senators, lindsaygram.com. I've got my website set up. Go to lindsaygram.com. It will tell you how to help Senator Purdue and Loeffler. We're going, we need to raise a lot of money to defend these seats. We lose these seats. It's, it's Chuck seat. Schumer's, it's everything on the table. And, and, yes. and I know people aren't focused on it, but we better focus very quickly on it. Oh, my God. It's to save democracy, win Georgia. All right. Thank you, Senator. 800-941-SEAN. Our legal team, investigative reporters, John Solomon, Greg Jarrett, breaking news next, and a report out of Georgia as we continue. Hannity, 9 Eastern tonight, Fox News. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. All right, News Roundup and Information Overload Hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. So we interviewed late last week on this program um, Laura Cox uh, from the state of Michigan, the GOP chair there. Actually, you know, pretty amazing story about how 6,000 votes in this software glitch literally switched the votes. And she stated on this program, well, the same software was used in... 40 of the 80, 40 some odd of the 80 some odd counties that exist in Michigan. But also John Solomon has done an investigation and found that literally it's used in 28 other states. And that's called Dominion Voting Software. It's used by states. It's company boasting on its website, having customers in 28 states, nine of the top 20 counties for the top 10 counties throughout the country. And the system was used for the presidential election, for example, in Georgia for the first time this year after the state announced in July of 2019 that Dominion would be given a statewide contract to provide systems and software to the state's 159 counties. That's the state of Georgia. Now, multiple election-related glitches have been reported in the state since Tuesday. The state of Georgia, in one instance, voting in two Georgia counties, you know, ground to a halt, for several hours after an unknown update was applied to voting machines there. Anyway, here's what Laura Cox said. If all this wasn't enough, in Antrim County, ballots were counted for Democrats that were meant for Republicans, causing a 6,000 vote swing against our candidates. The county clerk came forward and said, tabulating software glitched and caused a miscalculation of the votes. Since then, we have now discovered that 47 counties use this same software in the same capacity. Antrim County had to hand count all of the ballots, and these counties that use this software need to closely examine their results for similar discrepancies. 
Hi, News Roundup Information Overload, and here to weigh in on all of this, Editor-in-Chief, JustTheNews.com, author of the book Fallout, uh, and uh, Greg Jarrett, host of his new podcast, by the way, The Brief, and author of two New York Times number one bestsellers. Uh, by the way, how ironic, Greg Jarrett, that, you know, after three long years of questioning the legitimacy of Donald Trump saying it was an illegitimate election and and that Trump had conspired with Russia to steal the election from Hillary Clinton, that everybody's saying, no, we've got to immediately accept the results regardless of what people are saying, if laws were broken or not. I don't know whether to laugh, cry or just say, OK, I don't care what you think. I'm tending to lean towards the latter. Well, the, the media is a cesspool of bias and hypocrisy, and it contaminates everything they do. They've proven to be unreliable purveyors of news and information, uh, and that's why Americans should be skeptical of the media's pronouncement that Joe Biden has won the presidency. You know, the, the media's coronation of Biden is premature. Not all votes cast lawfully have been fully and correctly counted. Not all votes cast unlawfully have been properly discounted. And, you know, Sean, in a contest where the margin between the two candidates is razor thin in several battleground states, there are serious and legitimate questions that must be addressed and settled before either man can claim the mantle of the presidency. And and if this isn't resolved and these questions aren't answered to the satisfaction of the American people, then Joe Biden will be viewed by at least half the population as being an illegitimate president. By the way, that may be as high as 70 percent, according to a poll out today. John Solomon, let's go, you've been digging deeper and deeper into the software program uh, used in Michigan, but also 28 other states and the glitches in Georgia and this big 6,000 vote swing. You know, I, I'm not in the business of giving people false hope here, but I think people do have a right to understand whether or not this is a legitimate, real concern that warrants serious investigation, and whether or not if it happened in one place, why would it be illogical to think that it couldn't happen somewhere else? Yep. So, uh, Sean, we've dug into this a lot, right, at Just the News. We've looked at all of the other counties in Michigan where we know uh, the software was used. We've dug into most of the other jurisdictions where uh, the uh, software is used in other states, that are battleground states. We haven't gone past the battleground states, uh, but to date we haven't found another example of inverted voting like we saw in the one county in Michigan. It does appear there's a plausible explanation for the glitch. It's a glitch, and it happened. Uh, uh, the, the county changed the ballots. The software wasn't programmed to update to see the change, and so it misread the ballots from the change and the, uh, that was made. It's part software glitch, part human error. Uh, but going through and looking for any anomalies to see if any other counties would have had a Democrat in the lead when it should have been a Republican based on historical, we haven't found it. I think the bigger area where Americans will probably concentrate and where we may begin to see some the number of people who left states who claim to have or that are listed as having voted who are telling us they didn't vote. We're working on that process right now, but we've identified a large pool of people, several hundred thousand people, in the six battleground states who left their states. They filed notice of leaving their states a year, two years, three years ago, and yet they're shown as requesting an absentee ballot or an early ballot and voting. And we're in the process of interviewing those who, uh, you know, very detailed process and trying to find people who say, I didn't request that ballot, I didn't vote. That can't be me, even though it's listed as me. 
I think that's the place where a lot of the um, questions of quote-unquote fraud are focused on. We haven't found a pattern yet, but we're working on it. In the meantime, the issues that the president raised in his lawsuits where there's a double system, Democrats got to vote one way in their jurisdictions and Republicans got to treat it very differently in their jurisdictions is a real constitutional issue and probably the first one that the courts are going to take up. You know, I mean, this this is the thing. We have a pending U.S. Supreme Court case, Greg Jarrett. Let's analyze that from your perspective as a, as a lawyer. And now we, I, I think there's obviously going to be numerous other legal challenges brought up. And, you know, one of the things that I can't wrap my arms around, and I'll use your legal mind to do it, if all these states that we've identified all have laws that say partisan observers are allowed to watch the vote counting from start to finish, and they were denied, and there's literally affidavit after affidavit after affidavit now being signed that they were not allowed and weren't able to see and do what the legal statute says they're allowed to do, um, is that a valid i mean it's the law the law's not being followed how do you find a remedy and how do you how do you deal with an issue like that you go to court you get an order from a judge that says sorry you have to recount but this time poll watchers must actually be able to watch if if they're sequestered from the distance 20 30 100 feet or evicted from the venue they can't watch how a vote was marked or tabulated, whether it was properly. All right, but Greg, I'm from New York, and I'm a Reagan trust but verify guy. Uh, if it didn't happen the first time, how do we know what happened in the interim from the time that they, quote, were counted and and where the ballots are now? Did Did both sides observe the ballots and keep their eyes on the ballots the entire time? In those places where poll watchers were stopped from actually watching, it has to be counted again with observers in close proximity because the law in every state... Now, you're missing my point. How do we know they weren't tampered with? Well, that's a different question, and that's why poll watchers exist. In other words, if we're going to count them again in front of observers by... Because they didn't watch it in real time, what, what happened to those ballots then or in the interim? I'm just... Well, they are required by law to maintain every single ballot, uh, at the very least, until the state certifies the tally. So those ballots still exist. So Okay, know, but what about in the case of, like, a mail-in ballot? I'm not trying to be confrontational here. I'm just trying to understand it. If, if for example, you have to match a signature in uh, the, for example, a mail-in ballot and, and, and somebody signs it or whatever, then is that part of the ballot saved, too? Every piece of the ballot, including the envelope, according to law, must be retained. Now, one hopes that uh, nefarious activity and discarding of ballots didn't take place. And if it did, your point is a good one. How do we account for, for those ballots that were torn up, discarded, or shredded? We, do, we don't know. But, I mean, I think the first thing you do is you go to a, a judge and you present preliminary evidence in the way of eyewitnesses and affidavits that are sworn under penalty of perjury. You present compelling, persuasive evidence and get a judge to agree and issue an order to do it again. Yeah. John Solomon, what is your take on that? Yeah, listen, I think one of the most interesting things that got filed uh, was uh, uh, yesterday in, in court where they, uh, Democratic election leaders were accused of violating the state code by authorizing local election officials to 
give information about rejected ballots to Democratic operatives so they could go out and get them fixed in time for Election Day. That not only violates state law, state law is absolutely clear about that, but it also violated a ruling by the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court last month which said there's no mechanism by which people can be tipped off that their ballot's flawed and get a second chance to vote. So when you look at that, right, one of the questions you raised here is what do you do when the election ballots were rejected and then they got fixed because Republican poll watchers weren't there to see the fix, right? How do you capture that in real time? The only way you're going to be able to do that is by doing what we're trying to do, a massive effort to call everyone who's listed as voting early or absenteeism and ask, did you vote? Did you not vote? Uh, you're listed as voting. Why are you showing the list as voting if you didn't vote? Did anyone come back to you and try to correct your ballot for you? Did anyone ask you to fill out your ballot for you? I think that's the only, given that the poll observers were thrown out for such long, vast periods of time where fraud could be occurred that you can't recreate now, you can't find. The only way is to go back to the voters and ask them one by one by one. Did, do you think and that's what we're doing? We're, we're talking to thousands of voters in two various. I, I mean, what you're talking about believe. is a monumental task. It is. I know. I know it's only November 10th, but January 20th is going to come pretty quickly. It's very hard. Listen, I think if you can get a sample, right, if you can find 10,000 voters and find 1,000 problems or 10,000 voters and 500 uh, uh, voters, you can begin to extrapolate. Because once you prove there's a pattern, right, that there's a large number of people who say uh, they didn't vote but they're listed as voting, or a large number of people said I voted and then someone came back to me and had me change the ballot or fix the ballot, then you, uh, once you, you can extrapolate at what rate that is. But you're right. We're not going to get through all those battleground states between now and during 2010. What our goal is to is to find out if it's a large enough sample in the work we do to show that if you spread it out across an entire population, what number of votes likely would have been changed or affected. That's all we can do in the time frame. That's why the system is rigged. This is very tedious. To, now that we've had the poll watchers thrown out, it's very tedious to catch the fraud. But it's the only way we know how to do it, so we're digging in. And your take, Greg Jarrett, I mean, does that have any chance of success? And what do you, how, how do you view the Supreme Court challenge, the pending case there? Well, in Pennsylvania, uh, you know, the law is clear, as it is in Georgia. You have to have all ballots received by the election boards by 8 p.m. on the day of the election. Uh, but the elected Democrats sitting on the Pennsylvania Supreme Court essentially tore up that law and said, we're creating a new law so ballots can be counted uh, received on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. That's uh, a violation of the separation of powers. They usurp the power of, of the legislature. And if this case gets before the Supreme Court in earnest, it's a no-brainer. It's an easy call. They will say, sorry, those ballots, which Justice Alito has now said, must be segregated because they may be thrown out, um, you know, those should not be counted. Uh, you know, it's very clear that what the Pennsylvania Supreme Court did was wrong and illegal. Well, I mean, in that sense, it's a winnable case. Now, what would be the remedy there? Well, you must make sure that all of the ballots that were received and don't have proper postmarks are thrown in the trash can, essentially. And you only count the ballots that were received before 8 p.m. on Election Day. And that's the basis upon which you make a judgment as to. And now I go back. I want to get to the hard question: How do we know what was put in the in the what pile? I mean, it's it gets confusing, and I don't know if it's verifiable at some point. Anyway, well, remember this, we've this, got a whistleblower, Sean, too, that says that he was asked to backdate it to hide it. Hang on so, one second. We'll get to all this on the other side. Eight hundred nine four one Sean toll free telephone number. Quick and
continue with Greg Jarrett, John Solomon. All right, about 45 seconds each, Pennsylvania, and you were saying, John. Uh, remember that uh, one of the whistleblowers that have come forward said that ballots were backdated so that they would look like they came in before 8 o'clock on, on, on Tuesday uh, the 3rd. So even that process of finding, having confidence that ballots were segregated properly, there was already a, a, a credible allegation from someone potentially in a position to know saying, we didn't follow that. We, we faked the documents. And I think that's where this gets to be so, so crazy. Greg Jarrett. If the Supreme Court were to find, upon her- hearing in evidence, that there was such pervasive systemic corruption in Pennsylvania's vote counts, uh, they could issue an order that says, sorry, but Pennsylvania's counts may not be uh, considered at all in the presidential election, which means, you know, the 20 electoral votes in Pennsylvania um, don't get counted to either candidate. And then you've got a real problem. Wow. Could, you just ha- could you have a revote? I know they've done it on local levels. No, it would. Uh, you just have to get to 270 uh, without Pennsylvania. And if nobody does, then it, goes, it goes to, to the Congress. House of Representatives. Good grief. What a, you know, all these other states do it perfectly. These states that are a mess, you just, you know, really, they couldn't do it like Florida, Ohio, make it simple. And people have faith and integrity and trust and confidence. All right, guys, thank you. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. More of this coverage straight ahead as we continue. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. We'll get to your calls. 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of this extravaganza, so much going on all over the country. Uh, I want to head now down to the the great state of Georgia, where it's just a razor-thin margin. you got to understand something else here, and that is that in the state of Georgia, We have a runoff coming on January 5th. There are two Senate seats in play. Right now, Republicans have a 50 to 48 majority. Chuck Schumer's already stated, and and I know this is separate and apart from from the integrity, the confidence, the the trust that we all should have in every state and the electoral process and his ongoing investigations in Georgia, which we'll get to in a second here. Every bit of it is important. But if they don't straighten out some of the problems they've had in Georgia in the presidential election, what does it mean for these two Senate seats? Well, it means court packing. Yeah, as Chuck says, everything is on the table. And ending the legislative filibuster, everything is on the table. And D.C. statehood, everything is on the stable, uh, table, et cetera, et cetera. Um, these are probably the two most important Senate seats I've seen in my lifetime uh, and that would be with Senator Perdue and Senator Loeffler. Uh, now, Brandon Beach is a state senator for Georgia's 21st uh, district, and he's here to talk about what's needed on the ground. Two Senate seats now, January 5th runoff, and the presidential election hanging in the balance. Uh, there have been calls for the Secretary of State to uh, resign in recent days, in the last day and a half. Uh, The governor of Georgia, Kemp, is being pressured to call a special session of the state's legislatures. Uh, Not a lot of time to be calling them into session to to challenge either the election and demand the U.S. Senate race be more transparent. Uh, The secretary of state, the Republican candidates now are saying, you know, the way that it was so poorly run in the presidential election, they don't trust them to run the the runoff election. Uh, Anyway, uh, Senator, thank you. Brendan Beach, Brandon Beach of uh, Georgia. How are you, sir? Good, good. Thank you for having me, Sean. And All right. Tell us what's going on on the ground there. 
Well, I mean, we need to have answers. So, I mean, we as a legislature, legislature need to take action. We need to investigate. We need to have hearings, and we need to find out what went wrong, and we need to fix it because, as you said, January 5th, we have the two most critical uh, seats up uh, for election in the U.S. Senate, and that will affect Georgia and our nation. Um, and I, I, I think we should have a special session to look into this and see what we can do. I, I can tell you this. The thing that I would say is this. In the state of Florida, which has twice the population that we do, twice the elderly population, two different time zones, they had more absentee ballots, and they had their results in by 9 p.m. on election night, and we're still counting ballots. And so something has uh, went wrong. Something has been missed. And I, I think we should uh, look at this and find out what happened because uh, I, I would tell you, I know why Senator Leffler and Senator Perdue are upset. And I'm not saying the Secretary of State should resign, but he should definitely be asking questions and investigating and not saying we've had a good election. Because when you're still counting votes today, uh, there's a problem. And our constituents are upset. The base is mad. Um, so we need to, to get into this and find out what happened and make sure it does not happen again January 5th. We already have Andrew Yang, a former presidential candidate, telling people to move to Georgia by December 7th and register to vote so they can vote in the runoff. Um, that's that's, um, that's that pretty not, unbelievable. That's not, that that is what, not what, what free and fair elections are about. Back in, in March, Georgia election officials agreed to the settlement in federal court with the Georgia Democratic Party, the Demo- uh, Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, uh, Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, which sued the state over their rules on absentee voting. Uh, previously, the signature of an absentee ballot had to match the signature on ENET, a computer database that maintains Georgia's voter registration and absentee ballot information. If the signature on the ballot didn't match, it was thrown out. But they Correct. worded it apparently cleverly in the section of the settlement that Georgia election officials agreed to this, what ended up being a profound change instead of having to match the signature on file with ENET, the absentee ballot signature only had to match the signature on the absentee ballot application. That that hardly right. validates a, a, a ballot, right? Or well, I agree with you, hundred percent, hundred percent. So what's the remedy? We for need that? to look into that. Well, we need to go into, we need to ask questions and have go, government oversight committee hearings and and figure out what's going on and, and demand that the secretary of state take action or appeal the the judge's ruling um, if we have to, or we need to go into special session and make some changes. Um, Because the the people, I feel sorry, Sean, I feel sorry for the person that waited in line for three hours at the library here in my district to vote, and they feel that they've been disenfranchised and their vote didn't really matter, is what I'm being told by my constituents. But if you have one standard for that they changed the lead up to this election and the standard of day of voters that have to produce a valid ID, picture ID, match the signature. Uh, doesn't that, you know, bring up even equal protection issues, for example? I agree. I, I agree. It does. So what do you see happening? I mean, from what I hear from people on the ground, the, the governor seems apparently a little paralyzed, not knowing what to do, or he's just made up his mind to just stay in hiding. Well, I, I can't speak for the governor, but I do know what my constituents are asking for. They're asking for us to look into what happened, what re- what went wrong, why are we still counting votes, and for us to take action. Um, and I would say this. I know there's a lot of talk about voter suppression. I just don't buy that. We had 76% turnout. We had three weeks of early voting. We had a Saturday voting, Sunday voting, and we had absentee voting. There was no person in the 
state of Georgia, the, their vote was suppressed. I can tell you that. Everybody had equal opportunity and every opportunity to vote in this election. And again, we had record turnout, uh, both in Georgia and in our country. So I, I don't buy into the argument of voter suppression. All right. So my question then to you is, will this get straightened out? Is there going to be early voting even in the senatorial runoff? Yes, there is. And those same rules with two voting. different with two different signature standards stand for the right runoff. Now they will, unless we make changes, they will stand. Everything and the governor's stand. okay with that. Well, I, I'm not going to speak for the governor, but I have not spoken to the governor. But I can tell you the the. The uh, citizens are not okay with that. And, and I can tell you that the thing that really needs to change is we should not allow people, if they were not registered to vote in the general election, they should not then be able to come and vote in the runoff and are registered to vote in the runoff. They should, if they were, if they didn't vote in the general election, I don't have a problem with them if they were registered to vote, to vote in the runoff. But for people to move into our state before December 7th and register to vote, like Andrew Yang is suggesting they do, that is not uh, that's gaming the system and it's not right that is not um, what what our our rules should be about and our our voting and our fair, free and fair election should be about in my opinion all right state senator brandon beach uh georgia's 21st senatorial district thank you sir we'll continue to follow this all right let's get to our busy phones i know a lot of you a lot have a lot to say here wendy's in south carolina wendy hi how are you glad you called thanks for having me hannity Yes, ma'am. Thank you for calling. So my husband and I actually volunteer to be part of the process and, and to be poll watchers here in our town of uh, in our state of South Carolina. And so we were very shocked at the process. Um, and that's the reason why I'm calling in, just to just to kind of give you some of the insight of things that we saw. Um, my husband was um, assigned to an inner city um, district. And when he got there, he was told by the poll workers that his place was across the room. And if there were any issues, the police would be called. When he noticed some things happening, at one point he stood up to walk across the room. And one of the workers, who very big and build, stood up and looked at him and said nothing, but basically was telling him to go sit back down. So he basically sat 35 feet away from the the workers all day across town. Um, and let me just say, they had six machines, about 10 workers, never had a wait. I was assigned to a very rural, more um, Republican um, noted precinct. When I got there, they had two machines, five workers, and there was over a three-hour wait in the cold. Wow. So... It definitely seemed that they were uh, set up to fail. Um, while I was there, um, the workers, <clears throat> uh, the big issue to me is that no one had uh, good training. Um, they would look to me when they were confused about whether or not somebody should be allowed to vote. I wasn't even supposed to answer questions, and they were asking me. Um, as far as checking picture ID, that's a joke. Basically, people were walking up, turning their ID over so they could scan it, the little bar on the back, and then they proceeded on. I've it was very weird address- where I voted for the first time. This changed, too. They'd say, what mm-hmm. are the first three letters of your last name? I give it H-A-N. <laughs> what are the first uh, two letters of your first name? S-E. Uh, is this you? Mm-hmm. Yes. Vote. That was it. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I mean, it's bizarre. 
Yeah, I intercepted um, an adult woman who um, came in. She wanted to vote but said she had requested an absentee ballot. And they said, you know, well, if you didn't get it, you, you know, you can't come in because you're designated as an absentee. Well, she had an adult, um, uh, another adult with her who obviously had some disabilities. Um, I watched them go through the whole line, and that person never even walked up to the screen. The mother did the whole vote. So I actually got up and went and challenged the vote. The poll manager brought the um, person who was supposed to be voting over with the ballot in the hand and said, son, who did you want to vote for president? And the potential voter said Trump. On the ballot, the mother had voted for Biden. Wow. So I, we were, I was able to challenge that. But I, you know, I took my job very seriously. Every, and, everybody um, did. I mean, by the way, and God bless people like you that care enough about confidence and integrity in our voting system that you're willing to volunteer you know, a full day of your life, a long day, and and do it because you believe in integrity in elections, then there's somebody else on the other side. I mean, these laws are all pretty similar. Partisan observers are allowed. You did your job. Your husband volunteer. You're being, you know, good citizens by doing so. And there are so many that are reporting. Wait, wait, where's the evidence? Well, do we, should we not listen to the people that were there and telling us this was not run right and not just ignore them and say, oh, okay, we ex- well, we, we believe you. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, that's got to be sad. I mean, it, the whole thing to me is sad. I, I'm just listening to like all the all the people we've talked to today, and you know, you look at like Florida, twice the large population as so many states, two time zones, more elderly population. We knew by nine o'clock, no questions, no integrity questions, no none. It wasn't the last time, but we can clean up these systems if we want to. We actually have to. We did. This is, you know, we're the United States. This can't happen anymore. Wendy, thank you to you and your husband for what you did here. Thanks for sharing that story. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free number. You want to be a part of the program. Craig is in California. Craig, how are you? Good, John. How are you? I'm good, sir. Glad you called. So I've been a poll worker out here in California for the last eight elections or so. And about two years ago, they called us in and showed us a bunch of sample voting machines where we got to choose and pick and play with them because they were going to do a new voting system. Well, all of us picked one system for the most part. But that system wasn't chosen. And what was chosen was the Dominion voting system, which is the ones that had the glitches. And I asked, well, why, why, why did they choose this one? We all picked this one. And I was told that they had spent an inordinate amount of money in lobbying the people who made a decision about picking their system over the other ones. So it just makes me wonder, why are they spending so much money for a little 35,000-vote district to put their system in versus someone else's? And and we've always said that California, New York, Illinois have gone way to the left, but have they really? I mean, could they be could they be rigging it here too? And we're not even we're not even paying attention. You know, the saddest thing in in all of this is now that you know when you have, for example, Politico putting out today, seventy percent of Republicans uh, don't believe in the outcome. New Politico Morning Consult poll: seventy percent of Republicans now say they do not believe the twenty twenty election was free and fair, which is you know only thirty five percent thought that before the election. And all the, you, you see what happens in Pennsylvania unilaterally. It, it's just a clear constitutional violation. I, I can't see, you know, in this pending Supreme Court case, how that goes well for the state of Pennsylvania. Um, and it's very obvious, by the way, to the media. And trust me, the Biden people, they got their lawyers all in there behind the scenes, too. They're fighting because they know that this is a real, real significant challenge. Um, anyway, appreciate the call. Thank you for being with us. Um, 
I, you know, but if it happens in one district, you have to be concerned that it happened in another. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. All right, we are looking at all these challenges, improprieties, affidavits signed, all the latest news information, Kaylee McEnany, Ronna McDaniel. Um, so you, you got to see Senator Marco Rubio's viral video, Jim Jordan, uh, Doug Collins, Matt Gates, uh, Corey Lewandowski, Sarah Sanders, Katie Pavlich. 9 Eastern, set your DVR. We'll see you tonight. Back here tomorrow. As always, thank you for being with us. Oh, 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 oh,